Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. It has been a week full of U-turns. The Chinese economy seems to have turned around, reporting growth figures for the first time since the pandemic. The UK government has done a U-turn on its policy toward Chinese tech giant Huawei, and the US has done a U-turn on how it is going to treat international students, almost a third of whom are Chinese. With all the top news always delivered to you straight without a hint of deviation or U-turn, here's what's been happening in China this week. Latest figures show China's GDP growth figures are back in the positive column, The country's economy grew 3.2% year-on-year in the second quarter of this year, returning to growth after a record 6.8% contraction in the first quarter. The news comes as the world's second-largest economy recovers from the COVID-19 pandemic. Economists with Nomura International expected the recovery's momentum would significantly weaken in the second half of this year, given challenges from the ongoing pandemic and rising tensions between China and the U.S., They projected year-on-year GDP growth would rise only modestly to 4.3% in the third quarter and 4.5% in the fourth quarter. While economists at Oxford Economics were quite bullish in forecast growth at around 6% year-on-year in the second half of this year, bringing full-year growth to between 2% and 2.5%. The United Kingdom will stop using equipment from China's Huawei Technologies Company Limited in the country's 5G telecom network and will completely eliminate all existing Huawei gear by the end of 2027, the UK government said Tuesday. It is a major reversal after the UK in January said it would grant the Chinese telecom giant restricted access to non-core parts of the country's next-generation wireless network. According to Britain's culture secretary, the moves will result in an accumulative delay to the UK's 5G rollout of as long as three years and add costs of as much as $2.5 billion. While the UK's U-turn might spell bad news for a Chinese company, China's international students may well be cheering a U-turn in the US. Following a court challenge by Harvard University and the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, 
the U.S. government has revoked an order that would have forced international students to leave the country if they failed to attend in-person classes in the upcoming fall semester amid the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. The policy, had it been enforced, would have impacted 1.1 million foreign students holding academic or vocational student visas in the U.S. Chinese students are the largest single group and make up more than 370,000 of the number. International students, who often pay full tuition, contributed $44.7 billion to the U.S. economy in 2018. Just two weeks after being removed from Indian app stores, ByteDance-owned TikTok took another hit in South Korea, where the Korea Communications Commission fined the viral short video app $155,000 for mishandling user data. That's according to a report by Yonhap News Agency on Wednesday. The South Korean telecom watchdog said that its decision stemmed from TikTok's violation of local telecom laws that ban apps from collecting the data of children under the age of 14 without parental consent, Yonhap reported. China has allowed 18 provincial-level governments to recapitalize some small and mid-sized banks with money raised from the sale of special-purpose bonds, SPBs, a banking official said, in an effort to boost credit to businesses amid the COVID-19 pandemic. SPBs are a kind of local government debt that fund infrastructure and public welfare projects that are commercially viable and generally repaid from revenue generated from the specific projects that they fund. Think a toll on a highway. Unlike general bonds, usually they cannot be repaid from fiscal revenue. This year's total SPB quota is 3.75 trillion yuan, approximately $535.8 billion, almost 75% higher than 2019's allocation. Zhang Wenhong, a top epidemiologist and head of the Infectious Disease Department at Huashan Hospital in Shanghai, said at an online event this week that the herd immunity strategy is an, quote, overly costly, inadvisable, unquote, approach for the United States to use to fight COVID-19. Zhang said it would take more than three years for the U.S. to reach the threshold for effective herd immunity, which requires more than 60% of the U.S. population, nearly 200 million people, to be infected. Quote, Even if the U.S.'s daily caseload tops 100,000 now, it would be 40 million total in a year and 120 million in three years. Unquote. The U.S. has a current daily infection number of roughly 50,000 new cases. China's movie theaters have finally reopened, but under strict new guidelines from the film regulator. It spelled out a long list of requirements and precautions operators must take before and after reopening, highlighting concerns about potential for disease spreading in a sector where groups of strangers sit in small, confined spaces together for hours at a time. China's box office was the second largest in the world in 2019, with revenue of 9.3 billion U.S. dollars. Movie theaters are one of the last major sectors to resume business following massive closures to contain the country's COVID-19 pandemic. And finally, fast food chain Burger King has been exposed by state broadcaster CCTV for using expired ingredients to make burgers in China's Jiangxi province. Undercover journalists visited several Burger King stores in the city of Nanchang and discovered a host of food safety and operation problems. Video footage from the investigation was aired on CCTV's annual Consumer Rights Show on Thursday, 
causing a massive buzz online. In response to CCTV's expose, Burger King China apologized on Weibo and said a working group has been assembled to investigate the stores involved whose business has already been suspended. Let's turn now to Caixin Global Managing Editor Doug Young in Beijing for his pick of the story of the week. Doug, what you got for us? Hi, Kaiser. Well, uh, the story this week I want to look at is uh, looking at a couple of IPOs that have uh, just launched in the last few days. Actually, one just launched today on the star market, which is this new NASDAQ. Well, it's not that new anymore. It's It's been around for about a year now, but they say it's sort of NASDAQ, high-growth company-style board. Um sort of ironic that it's called NASDAQ New High Growth Company because the first of the IPOs actually happened last week. And this was for a company called SMIC or Semiconductor Manufacturing International Company. And basically, this is a company that's been around. They're not new at all. They've been around since the year 2000. uh, And they actually did an IPO in Hong Kong in 2004 uh, and just with the launch of this new board, it, it made some new things possible. Basically, companies that were registered outside of China could now do listings inside of China. So that's why it took 20 years for them to get to uh, market in China. But anyhow, they did a, an IPO, which was huge. It was uh, it was worth about, I think, $6.6 billion U.S. dollars. And to put that in some perspective, this was – the biggest IPO in 10 years. I think the last last one of this magnitude was Agricultural Bank of China, which is, you know, obviously a very big state-owned company, and this is a private company. So lots of differences. This is a tech company, and, and the company's stock just went bonkers. It uh, rose more than threefold, and I believe it ended up the day, its first trading day, something like 250%. So, you know, this is sort of Interesting because the company's shares were already traded in Hong Kong. So, you know, somebody somebody didn't get something quite right if it rose that much, you know, for a company whose shares were already being traded. So if that wasn't enough, then uh, just today we had another company, a much smaller company called Cambricon, which these guys make – oh, actually, I'm just realizing I may have forgotten to say what SMIC does. They make uh, semiconductor chips. Um, and they make them for other companies. Now, the company that just launched today is another chip maker, but they actually design their own chips using artificial intelligence, which is a big buzzword in China these days. And again, this is a company called Cambricon. They raised a much smaller sum of uh, between 300 and $400 million. Uh, but guess what? Their stock also did really, really well in its trading debut uh, again, it looked very similar to SMIC. It, it pretty much more than tripled. I think it was up about 250% at the open, and it, it came back a little bit after that. And unlike SMIC, which has been around for a while and is actually profitable, this company, Cambricon, is actually losing money right now. So it's not like this company is, is you know, any golden profit-earning machine, but that didn't seem to stop investors from uh, bidding up the stock quite a bit. And what's behind the meteoric rises of, on these two chipmakers' listings? Yeah, well, that's the interesting story. I mean, again, you know, SMIC has been around for 20 years. It really was a, a no, it was a, a non-story. It had sort of languished on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange for a long time. 
nobody really cared about it. It was a very second second run behind uh, Taiwan, a couple of Taiwan companies, including TSMC, which is the big Taiwanese chip maker. Um, and then, like I said, also Cambricon was a. It's only four years old, losing money. You know, neither of these companies would have raised many eyebrows before. But the big thing that's happened, of course, is that the U.S. is on the warpath against China right now, uh, in terms of cutting off all kinds of U.S.-made components from Chinese companies like Huawei. So. Now the U.S. is basically saying we're not going to let Qualcomm and Intel sell their chips to you, and China's like, "Oh my God, we've got to learn to make these chips ourselves." And and so, of course, these companies like Cambricon and SMIC are sort of in the right place at the right time. They're basically up and running. They know how to make chips, and so everybody's saying, "Well, these guys are just going to receive tons of support from Beijing." Uh, all the Chinese companies are going to try and switch their supply chains, you know. And never mind the fact that these two companies probably make chips that are, you know, far inferior to stuff you could buy from Western companies. Investors don't seem to mind, uh, and that's, you know, that's. I think there's just a lot of hype built into these stocks right now. Well, speaking of hype, do you think a new era has dawned in which everyone and their mother will be just piling into the into the chip game? Well, it's a good question. Um, you know, China, this is not a news story. China's been trying to build up its chip capability for quite a while, probably the last decade. And they really haven't made too much progress on it, you know, and which is why suddenly some of these older, more tired names are finding new lives. Um, having been in China for, for quite a while, I'm sort of uh, old hat at this Chinese tendency to sort of create buzzwords of the moment. Um, I've, I've seen them go through many of them over the years, you know, before it was virtual reality, when everything was virtual reality, augmented reality. We've gone through Belt and Road, uh, Shanghai Free Trade Zone. These are all words and phrases that have sort of fallen by the wayside. But in their <laughs> in their prime, they were quite quite the, you know, the cat's meow. And I, I think this is probably what's going to happen to chips and semiconductors. So if you're a semiconductor company thinking of making an IPO, you, I would advise you to do it in the next year or two, because that's probably how long this chip craze will, will stay there. And, you know, you can make a lot of money if you make it out then. Uh, who knows? A, a year or two later, I'm sure they'll have moved on to the next thing. And chips will probably fall back into the into the background. At which point the question becomes, what you going to do when the chips are down? Well, thanks, Doug. And I look forward to hearing from you again next week. Okay. Thanks a lot, Kaiser. You're welcome, man. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Nandini Venkata with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Special thanks to Lee Sin and Marcus Ryder of Caixin Global. Thanks to Wu Fei and Spring and Autumn for the music. Be sure to check out the other shows in the Seneca Network on SupChina. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SupChina Access for our daily newsletter. Find us at SupChina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.